Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. Of the coronavirus. Hey, I'm not no. talking about you, the listener. I'm talking about uh, Katie Johnston, uh, Cody Stoll, and myself, Robert Evans, uh, who were all at a and live. Robert John Stoll. Robert John Stoll. I'm so sorry. We were at a live show last Sunday yeah. behind the bastards, and we shaked a lot of hands and we hugged a lot of people, and we are certainly infected with the coronavirus. We shook a lot of hands. Yeah. So we are. This is it for us. Did a lot of hand sanitizer it. after you the sure sh- handshakes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, no. I love you guys. I love you all. I don't trust germs. We're we're doomed, and the only thing to do is to find Representative Matt Gates and give him real big hugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just make sure. We can all yeah. be infected together. Yeah. I've always wanted to lick Matt Gates' face. Or not. Face. Mm-hmm. Katie, or not. Or not. That's mm. right. Or maybe. I don't know. I'm not going <sighs> to ruin Cody's dream of licking Matt Gates' face. Thank you. This fun intro. It is a fun intro. Thank you, Katie. Uh, you're welcome. It serves to let you know that we're talking about coronavirus today. And not just like the virus itself as an actual virus, because like it really is not like the craziest thing in no. the world that's ever broke out. Like we all lived through the AIDS epidemic or at least a chunk of it. Uh, and that's a way wilder disease. But the decisions the Trump administration yes. has made, what it's going to do to the economy and the impact it's likely to have yes. on the election. Um, all very important things to talk about. I first want to deal with the elephant in the room, yeah. which is that somehow a container of mints was burst by a machete somehow. minutes before starting this episode. So I noticed that. Yeah. It was weird. Like I was looking away, and all of a sudden, I hear this machete swing and mints flying throughout the room. Yeah, I look up, mm-hmm. and it's just a floating machete. Mm-hmm. Just Cody, like hovering. Which side no are you going to take here? Be careful with your words. <laughs> you were my there. favorite one minute ago. I was your favorite a minute ago. It was hovering. 
And but then I opened my other eye and I was like, oh, Robert's doing it. We all know that he's mad. And this ties into the presidential response to the coronavirus because sometimes bad things happen and no one is at fault at all. No decision. Because there's nothing yeah, that can be done. Nothing by that anybody. could have been done differently. I don't like the way this conversation is going. <laughs> yeah, especially while I'm bleeding. Yeah, so oh, now, an that was not as a result of my swing. I but took it was, away your machete and you cut my finger to machete. protect my dog from being poisoned by mints because you hit the mints with the machete, and I'm angry. Uh, I'm very <laughs> angry. Not at you, Katie. Not at you, Cody. Not at you, Dana. Robert, I am angry. One could argue. One could argue that you're one a could dumbass. Argue. One could argue lots of stuff. <laughs> if you had left one the machete argue, in my hands. One could argue that you should not try to kill my dog and then try to... Oh, I'm so I feel like most people would argue that. But mince, Thank you. Thank you. Fresh Thank in you. breath, they do not kill. I'm going to... Probably. Direct this back. To the We're never going to have a resolution as to who swung the machine. Fun fact, her middle finger, middle finger is the one that's is cut. bleeding so and I'm angry. But we do have a lot to get through about the coronavirus. We do. Katie, we do. if coronavirus didn't exist, would you kiss my finger to make it feel better? Yes, I would. Okay, thank you. Can do I get an anyway. air, air kiss? Thank you. There we go. That was very Katie's sweet. now my favorite. You may continue with your show, Katie and Cody and <laughs> guest Robert. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thanks for joining us today, guest Robert. Um, thank you for having me. Chris- <laughs> I was called you Chris. <laughs> Cut, cut. No, no. Action. No, okay. Christopher's my new part. name. Lights. No. Uh, Daniel knows what's up. Daniel um, knocked the soundproofing off the wall. Jesus, what a train wreck. I'm so sorry, Katie. Everything's no, falling no, apart. Everything's good. Um, why don't we get started? Robert, uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the response to uh, the outbreak that uh, we've seen from this administration and how they're handling it. Bingo, bango. I'm really at the edge of my seat. You're going to say well and then be done, yeah? That is literally all. I wrote 3,789 words, and then I just deleted them all and wrote well. Okay. Trump responded well. well. He He, done well. He he did it well. A well train wreck. Do you remember any of the stuff that you deleted? I don't know. I could try to read this essay, maybe. Let's give it a go. From memory. Let's see if I recall it. In 2018, the CDC cut 80% of its efforts to prevent global disease outbreaks, reducing its operations in that sphere from 49 countries to 10. Nice. That same year, an official with the Global Health Security Unit of the National Security Council made a great prediction. This is 2018. Not that long ago, guys. Pretty pretty (laughs) recently, right? I forget who was president in 2018, and there's Mm. no way to find out, though. The threat of pandemic flu is the number one health security concern. Are we ready to respond? I fear the answer is no. Now, you get warned by that uh, of that by someone from the Health Security Unit of the National Security Council. You would assume, right, that that uh, being told we're not ready to respond to a pandemic, action would be taken, right? Yeah, you and would it assume. was oh. action was taken. The Trump administration actually acted the very next day and shut down the Global Health Security Unit of the National Security Council. <laughs> swift action, <laughs> very. It was swift. You can't oh you can't God. fault them on speed. You need to start talking to this president. Like a reverse psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you definitely want to defund you mean this. Like a child. You mean and, shut and this down. To, to like a child. <laughs> There's multiple stories from reputable journalists about how some of his aides have taken that exact tack to try to stop him from damaging things. Yeah, there's a a long thread. I feel like there's like a thousand tweets in it now of just like quotes from aides and people behind the scenes like, oh, this is him him being treated like a child so that he doesn't kill us all. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's here's how they trick him into reading information that he needs to know. We're going to get, this is one of my predictions from 10 years from now, we're going to get a a book from somebody who works in this White House now in five, 10 years. A book? 
And there will be a, a moment in that book where this person has a new child who's four or five years old, and they learn something dealing with that child's temper tantrum that they apply the next day in the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a thing yeah. that we all remember me when this happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I can only I imagine this. those conversations yeah. too of like, oh yeah, I'm a new parent and I've, I I find that this works. I find that this works with my three year old. Right, right. Like they're cranky and you give them a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Diet Coke. Yeah, and that Diet Coke give button. Them that Diet Coke. Hey, Don't sir, give children Diet. Don't drink Diet you, Coke you yourself. Actually, you're a little sleepy. You're a little sleepy. Do you need a nap? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. want your binky? You want your binky? He does want his binky. He does want his binky. Obviously, a little button for nukes, and then a Jesus bigger button Christ. for Diet Coke. It makes sure, yeah, as long as the Diet Coke button's him. bigger, we'll be okay. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, tell us more, please. So uh, Trump shuts that office down, uh, and this was part of $15 billion in reductions to national health spending under his administration. (laughs) And so when the first confirmed coronavirus case made its way over to the U.S. in late January 2020, our national health care infrastructure was wildly unprepared to meet the challenge. Still, experts attempted to brief the president. The Washington Post reports that in January, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar was, quote, Having trouble focusing Trump's full attention on his coronavirus briefing, <laughs> rather than focus on the facts, Trump repeatedly asked Azar, why did you push me to insert myself o- into a controversial political issue? By uh, Azar saying, you should address this as president. I feel good. Feel good? Everybody's happy? This is not surprising, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So... Health officials desperately warned Trump and his mouthpieces not to say the virus had been contained, because it hadn't. But folks folks like economic advisor Lawrence Kudlow continued to repeat the falsehood that the coronavirus in the U.S. had been contained. Now, Politico has reported that many of Trump's aides shared his belief that the threat of the virus was a media invention and tried to keep the president from addressing or even hearing about the issue, since they considered it unimportant. One person involved in the administration's response to the coronavirus told Politico, it always ladders to the top. Trump's created an atmosphere where the judgment of his staff is that he shouldn't need to know these things. As the virus spread around the world, it became clear that there were many more U.S. cases than initially hoped. Saner members of the Trump administration started to push for him to address the problem more directly and soberly. But, as NBC reports, quote, Trump is simply not on the same wavelength as the rest of his team, but they said there isn't much they can do to change his public tone. Trump has been advised by some close to him to let public health officials, rather than the politicians, take a more forward-facing role, according to a person familiar with the conversation. But a person close to the White House said Trump thinks it helps him politically to keep doing what he has been doing. Okay. Diligent public health experts and doctors began to warn the country and the government that testing kits were not available in high enough numbers to test even the most high-risk cases of people whose symptoms matched COVID-19. The day this story dropped, Donald Trump met with Fox News performers Diamond and Silk at the White House. (laughs) Diamond chanted, vote red, R-E-D, remove every Democrat, while Trump smiled and nodded along. Why, Why are you trying to make me political? Unbelievable! Yeah. Is that that's when uh, they all join hands, right, and like put their hands on yeah, him? I think so. Yeah. White My House... virus is your virus, Mr. Yeah. President. God, I, I, I'm gonna say it. I hope so. It would be fitting if he is exposed huge numbers of Americans to a virus that he then caught himself. It would be. Fitting. Are you covering how he's exposed? Yes, a little bit. Pretend yeah. like I didn't just say that. Yeah, uh, just a little. The bit. whole situation is uh, a very, very. Uh, I won't say funny because it's. It's not. Bad, funny. It's a terrible situation, but like in terms of irony yeah, it, and like the perfect 
example of why he is bad I, and everyone around him is bad. I actually don't. I know a lot of people disagree with this, and there's a lot of talk about, like, you should never hope for somebody to get sick. If your entire political career has involved, for one thing, urging the defunding of the public health state in order to make something like this more likely, if you have pushed for a system wherein science is exiled outside of the decision-making process, um, and you have created the perfect storm of of... It's like me swinging a machete around in a room with a poison room covered in glass. It's incredibly <laughs> it reckless. It is like that. And if I were to breach the poison room and hurt myself, I would deserve it. And I think these people who got exposed at CPAC to the coronavirus, um, because in part they made fun of the risk of getting sick initially, yes. like Matt right. gets wearing and a fucking set us up gas to mask be, to in fail Congress. Yeah. When it came here. And set us up to fail and felt that it wasn't important to fund any of these things. I do think... It's fine that they get sick. I here, hope here. they do. Fuck them. Right. I don't hope that random old people get sick. Right. That's what I'm. Just yeah. But goals. I hope specific people who ghoulishly fucked with the healthcare state in this like country, like Ted Cruz, like Ted Cruz, Mike, like Ted Matt, Cruz Gates. And Matt Gates. Yes, I hope they get sick. Yeah. Fuck them. Fuck them. All right. I want okay. more of this story. White House health experts begged the president to put out an adverti- an advisement for elderly people and immunocompromised people to avoid commercial flights. Trump, a man whose business interests center around golf courses and resorts frequented by older individuals, overruled them and refused. He stated that he did not want to have a negative impact on the economy. Oh, boy. These same experts responded that he should, at the very least, pretty fucking please advise vulnerable people to avoid booking trips on cruise ships. He pushed back on this and denied it for days and only eventually, reluctantly, after several cruise ships were revealed to have rampant coronavirus outbreaks, agreed to advise immunocompromised people not to book cruises. In late February, Trump tweeted, the coronavirus is very much under control in the United States. Stock market is starting to look very good to me. (laughs) (laughs) What up? Do a separate tweet. Like... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Separate those two ideas, man. What? Like, oh, that's don't your con- note. That's your it, note. Yeah, it is actually. It's <laughs> one of the notes, right? <laughs> it's a. It's worth. It's, oh God, it's fine. He accused his critics of pushing a hoax around fears that the coronavirus would spread widely in the United States. He claimed the number of cases at the time, 15, would be close to zero soon. Mm. As of right now? <laughs> right after, right after people were saying the opposite. Yeah, that's two weeks ago or so. As of right now, there are well over 500 confirmed cases in the United States. Virtually all experts now agree that the coronavirus is likely to be the worst such outbreak since the influenza epidemic of 1957, which killed an estimated 1 million people worldwide, maybe as many as 1.5 million. It is not impossible or unlikely that several million Americans might eventually contract the disease. Now, fortunately, it's not very lethal, especially for the vast majority of the population. Um, But it's entirely possible that thousands, perhaps even at the very worst, tens of thousands of Americans could die from this. The 1957 influenza epidemic killed 70,000 Americans. Wow. And there were other factors than the influenza. Influenza, like they didn't have like respiratory respirators sure. and stuff like that they could give people at that point, or at least not many. Um, so I, seventy thousand would be like a nightmare scenario, but it's within we the realm of possibility, go, right? Yeah, but we have things we've advanced since then yes. to keep people alive. This is not like a zombie. It's not like this is not the collapse of civilization, but it could collapse the economy and it could kill tens of thousands of people. And we'll be, get to that. Yeah. Mm. Public health officials are now warning that we face a disease burden roughly ten times worse than a normal severe flu mm-hmm. season. Um, And some suggest it could be more like 20 times worse. So this is like a a nightmarishly worse flu season. And as the outbreak has grown, Trump has become obsessed with keeping the total daily count of confirmed coronavirus cases low. Public health officials have attempted to fulfill his wishes by focusing on their most optimistic estimates and briefings. The CDC has stopped listing the number of people it has tested, like, entirely. 
um, and their online dashboard, con like keeping track of confirmed infections, records significantly fewer cases than the independent tracker run by Johns Hopkins Hospital and the EU's estimate of confirmed American cases. So that's cool. CDC's Very doing their best. Very cool. Yeah. On February 25th, CDC official Nancy Messonnier warned that a coronavirus outbreak in the U.S. was inevitable. Her remark spooked investors and caused a plunge in the stock market. This infuriated President Trump. He and members of his administration discussed forcing Messonnier to keep to shut up for the length of the coronavirus outbreak. <laughs> Alex Azar intervened, and she was allowed to keep making public statements, although her tone changed to be moderately more upbeat. One of the more frustrating things about like Ab Alex Azar is a ghoul and has like yeah. a huge amount of uh, of blame for the fact that like while he was in charge of um, Eli Lilly, the price of insulin like went up mm -hmm. by three hundred percent. He's a monster. Um, he's absolutely in the right in this one and is just trying to take like, okay, we should take basic steps to contain this and it's like has to fight for that. It's, I hate it. Basic steps are bad. Yeah. I hate that like I keep saying Alex Azar is the voice of reason right, in the room right, just because right. he's not an what idiot. What a sentence. He's a ghoul, but he's not an idiot. Um, one of the cases Trump has grown most obsessed with is the cruise shipped Diamond Princess, which has a, had a sizable chunk of infected people on board. Health officials and Mike Pence, who Trump put in charge of the coronavirus <laughs> response, decided that removing all passengers was the best decision since it would reduce the number of people who wound up infected in the stinking disease-filled morass that is a normal cruise ship. Um, don't go on cruises ever. I'm going to quote now from New York Magazine. Quote, but President Donald Trump had a different idea. Leave the infected passengers on board, which would keep the number of U.S. coronavirus cases as low as possible. Yes. Do I want to bring all those people off? People would like me to do it. Trump admitted on a press conference at the CDC. I would rather have them stay on, personally. I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship that wasn't our fault, Trump added, saying that he ultimately empowered Pence to decide whether to evacuate the passengers so that he could blame Pence if it was Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, uh, to his credit, he also said it's not the passengers' fault. Yep, that's so good. So good for him for uh, stumbling through that. I appreciated that. Um, credit I like where that credit he, is due. They literally said, "I like when the numbers are down." It's good to hear your, your president say that about uh, health crises like this. Yeah. Yes. Very frustrating. Frustrating also that again, like with Azar, Mike Pence is like trying to be a rational person throughout all this, and like is not wrong about every call he's made. And so I have to be like, and so Mike Pence tried desperately to tell the president not to do this dumb thing. And fuck Mike Pence, but he's not wrong in this situation, although he is wrong because he helped enable the situation yeah. where he's trying to talk an incompetent yeah. madman out of ignoring a horrific problem and letting it spread into a plague. Also, Mike Pence shouldn't be in charge of oh, any sort of no. epidemic. Yeah, no. Pence and epidemics aren't it's great. It's the most comical yeah. choice. Uh, I love, well, I love, it. it's just everything is <laughs> terrible. There's a quote about why it was Pence, like mm -hmm. why they picked Pence, and literally... Trump just said because he had nothing else to do. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. That's not funny, but it's I mean, funny. That's, it's actually, it's incredibly it's funny. Very it's funny. It's very funny. New York Magazine interviewed 13 current and former Trump officials and a number of individuals close to the White House. The interview painted much the same picture as all the other coverage we've seen. Quote, Aides heaped praise on Trump for his efforts to lock down travel from China, appealing to the president's comfort zone of border security, but failed to convey the importance of doing simultaneous community testing, which could have uncovered a potential U.S. outbreak. Government officials and independent scientists now fear that the coronavirus has been silently spreading in the United States for weeks, as unexplained cases have popped up in more than 25 states. While Trump last week allowed hospitals and labs to start developing their own coronavirus tests, 
wrongly blaming Trump, uh, the Obama administration's regulations for a delay. The same move could have been made weeks ago had the president and his advisors felt it was necessary, said two officials. Weeks ago when we realized it was going to be a problem? Cool. Who could have known? Who could have known except for everybody He literally but him. says that later. <sighs> Can't wait to get to that part. Great. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to wait. Thank you. <laughs> Instant gratification is what this podcast is mm-hmm. all about. Last Friday, Donald Trump finally toured a CDC facility. Yes. It was empty, likely, likely in deference to the fact that he delayed this visit out of fear of touching an infected person. This visit came hours after several baffling Trump statements. First, that it was good for the economy for Americans to stop traveling abroad. And second, that there were plenty of testing kits to meet demand. He is so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> So fucking dumb. I mean, it sounds like he's also a liar. Is it? It's one or the other. It's both. I know we've been like talking about what a dumb liar he is for four years, Mm -hmm. but oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, Perfect storm right here. I mean, Um, just the claim. It's going to be good for our economy because people aren't traveling. Yeah. Do you know how the world works? Do you know how economies work? You have international businesses. (laughs) You know better than this. He knows better. Yeah, he knows better. He knows. He's just full of shit. Yeah, that's why, yeah, Yeah. again, this is just like, it's, yeah, brings it all together. And when he said that there were plenty of testing kits to meet demand, that was the exact opposite of a statement that Mike Pence made hours before, where he was like, we do not currently have enough testing kits to meet demand. Because they don't. Because they don't. Because they didn't prepare. Still don't. He's a, he's a kid who didn't, bring his homework in yeah and for 45 minutes the class has all been about his excuses for why but it's with a viral epidemic and like for 45 minutes after that they talk about what the topic was yeah for his homework and they say the exact opposite of what he ends up saying yeah all right you know who won't lie to the country while a virus threatens its elderly population and crashes its economy us we might. <laughs> we might. Um, but Anderson? Not, Anderson will not because dogs are incapable of lying. Well. She would never lie to our yeah. audience. I think dogs are incapable I of lying, I think right? dogs might be incapable. They're capable of like hiding. She yes. Would, yes. She would never deception. lie to our fans. But she would never lie to our Playful fans. Playful deception. And neither lie. would the products that support this podcast. Mm-hmm. Dog-like, these products are loyal to you if you spend money on them. Welcome to the worst year ever. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%.
Identity theft protection starts here. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. During his press conference, we're back also. Um, during his press conference at CDC headquarters, Trump continued to insist that there were plenty of testing kits to go around and then bafflingly insisted that the tests were perfect. Quote, these tests are all perfect like the letter was perfect. Ooh, the transcription I, oh, yeah. was perfect, oh, right? This was Ukraine? not as perfect but a, as that, but pretty good. That is... Yeah, he's talking about the Ukraine letter and the transcript of his call with um, the president of Ukraine. You I was going to say that's terrible, but I changed it. That's yummy. You know what I like about the word perfect? <laughs> uh, it has varying degrees yeah. of perfection. This was perfect. This wasn't as perfect. But it was pretty perfect. It was pretty perfect. Pretty perfect. Like in, terms of, in terms of how perfect it was. It, it was had more lower. flaws than this flawless yeah. thing, but it was still flawless. Yes, exactly. I love it. He was wearing a hat, by the way. The, of course he was wearing, wearing a hat. His make, keep America great hat. Always be selling, Yeah, always Cody. be selling. You like know that. Katie always be said, campaigning. yummy. Mm-hmm. I also love that, like, the president of the United States is someone who would watch Glengarry Glen Ross. If, he, if you could get him to have the attention span to watch something right. for two hours, he could watch, he would watch Glengarry Glen Ross, and he would walk away thinking that, like, Alec Baldwin's character was the hero. Yes. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he wouldn't be able to get through it because eventually be like, oh, this is. Why are we uh, focused good. on these losers? It's like, you know, it's like, a, it's, like a, it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's based on a play. It's like, yeah. it's based on a play? Out of here. <laughs> and David Mamet definitely voted for Trump. Yes. Well, probably, right? He's, <laughs> probably, a, he's like a probably, famous Republican. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, Trump, <laughs> next at the CDC press conference, made a brief statement about the Grand Princess cruise ship docked near San Francisco, publicly stating publicly that he didn't want to let people off the ship because, yeah, he liked the numbers being where they were. Um, and then he stated that he hadn't previously been aware that people could die of the flu, which kills tens of thousands of Americans per year and also killed his own grandfather. It's so wild. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and the thing about the numbers... Keeping the numbers low. Keeping the numbers low. That is so uh, misguided because what that does is it artificially inflates the death rate. Yeah. So when you are seeking to mitigate the fallout of this and keep people, uh, you know, from panicking and alive, alive, this is the real thing, keep people alive, trying to keep the, um, the number down is is works against that because it again like I just said it makes the 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 death rate higher uh, because there's 
<laughs> it means more people per sick is dying looking yeah, at the, the data. Yeah, the people who yeah. end up getting tested and are included in like, here are the people that have it are going to be the people who are really, really, really sick and go in the hospital and get tested. And they're more likely to die. Like, so that death rate is going to go If you up. had more uh, testing available... And people, then you start to see like, oh, I've had it and recovered or I, you know, like this is the right. mild version of it. So you start to put it in perspective. Also, then you're not silently carrying it around, spreading it everywhere. Also I just that, needed to say yeah. that because every time we've talked about this number being down, I'm like, Err. yeah, I mean, there, there's so many problems with artificially keeping the number yeah. down. Yeah. Well, anyway, I want to hear more, Robert. Next, Trump insisted that the outbreak of the coronavirus was something you can never really think is going to happen. Except for when people tell you that it and is. And then you cut their department, yeah. yeah. The officials at the CDC acted with what I would say is shameful, but is also probably bitterly practical deference to the guy who gets to decide if they get money or not. Director Robert Redfield thanked the president for being a decisive leader. <laughs> and then Donald Trump said this, mm-hmm. and this is where I got to play the clip. And I like this stuff. You know, my uncle is a great person. He was at MIT. He taught at MIT for, I think, like a record number of years. He was a great super genius, Dr. John Trump. I like this stuff. I really get it. People are surprised that I understand it. Every one of these doctors said, how do you know so much about this? Maybe I have a natural ability. Maybe I should have done that instead of running for president. Oh, my God. I'm just so tired. I'm so tired. I, it's exhausting. Why? Yeah, man. At 78, you should have, instead of running for president, become a scientist. It's amazing. And a doctor. Yes. Because you're he good did. at it. He did by becoming president. Yeah, now he's... Uh... One of the most pain... Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Um. So next, after this, uh, Trump referenced the fact that uh, Mike Pence had recently called Washington Governor Jay Inslee to express solidarity uh, and promise support uh, to the state of Washington as it deals with the deadliest coronavirus outbreak in the country. You know, like a, like a human being who's in a powerful position nationally would do, regardless no. of political... I don't yeah. follow. President Trump was infuriated and insisted at the CDC that Pence should have retaliated against Inslee instead, stating, I told Mike Pence not to be complimentary of the governor because that governor is a snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doomed. <laughs> on the day I wrote this, Vanity Fair published another article about the administration's response based on interviews with a number of people close to the president. One source told them that Trump is looking to sue the media for its coronavirus coverage. He wants justice to open investigations of the media for market manipulation. Another source told Vanity Fair that Trump is equally furious with his team for not having a ready media response to protect him from this news cycle. How He's, do you sue the media? You know, with the law. Oh, okay. Silly me. Quote, he's very frustrated he doesn't have a good team around him, a former White House official said. On Friday, he forced out acting chief of staff Mick Mulvaney and replaced him with former House Freedom Caucus chair Mark Meadows. (laughs) Trump thought the virus was getting beyond Mick, a person briefed on the internal discussion said. Trump also complained that economic advisor Larry Kudlow is not doing enough to calm jittery markets. Trump found a willing surrogate in Kellyanne Conway, but Conway's dubious claim on Friday that the virus is being contained only made the PR situation worse. Yeah, because Kelly and Conway believe. making a decision worse. Shocking. Sorry. Never before. Uh, ahead, yeah, because we all believe what Kelly and Conway gets trotted out to say. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's not working. Yes. That she's not calming the masses. And while there's vanishingly little good news in terms of the presidential response to this, uh, this outbreak, there's at least ample schadenfreude. Because Trump himself is terrified of COVID-19 and increasingly paranoid that it will reach him in his tower of privilege. Quote, 
Sources says sources said he's privately terrified about getting the virus. Donald is a famous germaphobe. He hates it if someone is eating nachos and dips a chip back in after taking a bite. He calls them double dippers, a prominent Republican said. Former Trump aide Sam Nunberg recalled Trump's response to the last major outbreak in 2014. When I worked for Trump, he was obsessed with Ebola, Nunberg told me. Stories about Trump's coronavirus fears have spread through the White House. Last week, Trump told aides he's afraid journalists will try to purposefully contract, contract coronavirus to give it to him on Air Force One. A person That's close to the administration so... told me. I mean, the source funny. also said Trump has asked the Secret Service to set up a screening program and bar anyone who has a cough from the White House grounds. He's definitely melting down over this, the source said. Well, that's yes, a silver is. lining. It's hot, good. hot take. Double dippers, not into it. Not into double dippers. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's why he posted that video of Mike Bloomberg licking his fingers and mm-hmm. going back for more. God, I never wanted to talk about that it's again. Too bad. Cody. We should. We shouldn't have brought up double dipping. And I. <sighs> There's talk right now about the administration putting out some form of federal aid for the hospitality, travel, and cruise industries, which, depending on how it's done, might be a reasonable idea. Um, and it just now, uh, Jeffrey Stein with the Washington Post uh, tweeted, Washington, White House likely to push federal aid for shale companies hit by coronavirus slash international energy stock. Trump confidant and oil billionaire Harold Ham lost $2 billion yesterday. Ham reached out to admin but says he didn't make direct contact. Mm. So that's cool. Waiting for that direct Ooh. contact, by which so, I made a bunch of handshakes. You would think he's done a good job here. You would, yeah, absolutely. Flaws, right, because he's, say. I mean, Co- it's the one thing he's actually terrified of, but yeah. he's still just failing. Uh, Cody, would you mind talking to us a little bit uh, about the Ebola epidemic, quote-unquote, so we can compare uh, Trump's response to coronavirus with uh Obama's response to the Ebola breakout? The Ebola epidemic. Yeah. Epidemic? The Ebola-pidemic. Ebola-pidemic. Albagarba. Well, you remember when that crashed the U.S. economy and yeah. got mm-hmm. wildly out of control because I of do. Barack Obama's incompetence, I'd almost right? forgotten, but then I remembered. Yeah, it yeah. was just as bad as this. It's a disaster that we're Maybe all still worse. reeling from. Yes. Um, so yeah, the Ebola outbreak uh, in West Africa uh, from about 2013 to 2016, uh, it was the worst Ebola outbreak in history. It resulted in uh, over 11,000 deaths. Uh, the spread of the disease was mainly in uh, Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone. Uh, there were very few cases in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, they were in 2014, um, which does bring us to, but crock, no brain, Obama. Um, Obama took the advice of- the Did you just call him butt crack, Obama? I it was going crock. for like a crock. Like oh, crock, oh, like, okay, okay. But, um, but yeah, I also got butt crack. Butt crack, no brain, Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, he took- uh, <laughs> His advice from the CDC, okay. uh, then headed by Thomas Friedman. Uh, rookie mistake. Rookie mistake, uh, who was let go in 2017 um, hmm. because of what huh. happened the previous year. Yeah. Um, so, the, and the CDC's recommendations were actually, uh, they were based on science. That's important. They were mild. They were calm. Uh, there was this urge to not panic about this because it was concentrated in West Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were sending doctors and nurses over there to treat the people. Um, and uh, there was a big controversy about whether or not to uh, institute a travel ban to the area. Uh, health experts recommended not to do that uh, because it actually wouldn't contain it very well mm-hmm. and it would make the people who were actually suffering from it in West Africa, uh, they, it would make them worse off. Mm-hmm. Um, so he didn't do the thing that the CDC, the health uh Experts recommended that he not do. Um, and there were about... Uh, and it totally backfired, It totally right? backfired. There were 11 cases uh, in the United States Whew. total. Um, uh, 
two nurses got it in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, These these were all contained cases. Um, It was handled, again, very calmly. It's it's interesting because while that was bad, uh, it was not the situation we're dealing with right now. Um, so even comparing them, the, how to contain it, what's the response, the response that you would want from the administration during the Ebola outbreak isn't the same response for this because they are two different Am situations. Am I wrong? Uh, did, have there been claims floated that <laughs> programs were scaled back under Obama because of Ebola? Yes. I mean, every, yeah, yeah. Many lies about, uh, all the things. Um, cool. And as we, as you alluded to, a lot of a lot of programs cut, a lot of teams just disbanded that could uh, deal with this. Um, so it's interesting that this was a uh, a lesser case of what's going on now, um, and Obama handled handled it uh, very well um, and urged people not to panic um, because they shouldn't have panicked. Um, and. The response from, let's say, the uh, right-wing punditry and Republicans in general is very, very entertaining. We'll get to Donald Trump specifically, uh, but I'm just going to read a few quotes from uh, people who people. Um, today might be saying something else. Um, for example, the deputy chief of staff to Ted Cruz tweeted, uh, before Obama... There had never been a confirmed case of Ebola in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ted Cruz lamented that Obama lacked sufficient seriousness about protecting the American people. Interesting, Ted Cruz currently self-quarantined. On, oh, why is he self-quarantined? Oh, because he, he, he might have... Because no precautions were no taken precautions at were CPAC. Taken. After, it was not taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, and mm. Everybody shook a bunch of hands at CPAC. Mike Huckabee, who you might know. M- Muckabee. Muckabee. Mm-hmm. Mr. Muckabee. Uh, a real yuck up a bee yuck on up a bee. Twitter. Yeah. On, it, on his bee-y-y-y. show, quote, the Ebola scare goes to the heart of a simple question. Do you trust the government? If they repeatedly lie to me, I just don't believe them anymore. Uh, kind of did make me uh, trust the government a little bit more. A little bit more because they, they handled it really well. They handled it really well. well. It was, it was uh, very, very, well very few cases. Yeah. yeah. And like we, we reached out internationally to provide aid because yes, we exactly. knew that like things that happen in other parts of the world directly Will affect us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you clamp down on that area... Um, then it makes anything that happens over here less, yeah. and then you take care of the situation here, um, and then uh, later you can be like, hi, I'm Barack Obama, and I told you so. Sounds like one of those classic situations that nothing can be learned from. It Let's does, interestingly. Real quick, we're just going to sh- play just about 30 seconds of some more of these people on television. Great. I can't wait to hear what I, will definitely not be frustrating. I bet it won't be. I bet I love them. And it's all really starts at the top. It starts with Obama. And lots of bad things are happening to this country. Obama has imported dangerous things into this country since he got there. He's imported socialism here. He's imported (laughs) Ebola into America. The president should be cautious, safety first. But we're doing political correctness first. Why has the president done absolutely nothing? Obama's incompetency, his administration's incompetency, is really shining bright in this one. And if only President Obama would put America first. Well, this president is all about making America safe again. No president ever, except Donald Trump, ever acted faster. So those are fun. Um, Fun and good. Fun and good. And great. Uh, Not frustrating. Interesting that... uh, Powerfully erotic. Yeah, powerfully erotic quotes from the powerfully erotic uh, 
Jesse Waters mm-hmm. <laughs> complaining about Obama importing Ebola and socialism to America. Uh, so this is a, a bit frustrating, I would say, um, compared to their reaction now to an actual disaster that's way worse than what they were talking about. Again, very few cases uh, in America during the Ebola outbreak that were taken care of uh, very, Conversely, very responsibly. just reading a headline, uh, the U.S. cases now top 950. Oh, and, good. It was uh, twice what I said in the write-up when yep. I researched oh it yesterday. God. And California a good is number. Uh, panicking officials. I, anyway, mm. not officials because there's so many more than we know. We just don't know because we don't have testing. You Please know, continue. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a quick, uh, this is a quick quote from Mr. Obama after the fact when it was taken care of and sort of the message that he put forth that uh, was actually fine and good. In the 21st century, we cannot build moats around our countries. There are no drawbridges to be pulled up. We shouldn't try. Some worried about bringing the disease to our shores that we had to, uh, but then he commented that we had to make the decisions based not on fear, but on science. He recalled late October, as three weeks in, which all too often we heard science being ignored and sensationalism. Just, it's just very nice to hear a president listen to science and 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 Cody and talk doesn't about even it. like Obama. Well, I comparatively. mean, no crock, insane, no Obama. Anyway, uh, the person that was most upset about Ebola during this period, as Robert alluded to, was Donald yeah. J. Trump. Um, I think it's. It can get a little tiresome to be like, there's a tweet for everything. Uh, and that's because there is a tweet for everything. Every single, every, every single, single thing, thing, every single thing. It's like this whole experience that we're having was written by somebody to drive us mad. Every single thing. In Donald Trump's case, for this specific instance, there are a hundred tweets for this. He <laughs> tweeted about this so much. Because again, he was obsessed so with often this. obsessed yeah. with it. He's a germaphobe. Exactly. Um, so just I'm just constant tweets. I know for sure that our leaders are incompetent. Um, Obama just appointed an Ebola czar with zero experience in the medical area and zero experience <laughs> in infectious disease control. A total joke. I wonder who he could refer to uh, today about that. Uh, President Obama has a major meeting on the NYC Ebola outbreak with people flying in from all over the country, but decided to play golf. He literally did that yesterday. Well, he uh, needs awesome. to relax. Yeah, he needs to go to the club and shake some hands and relax with his golf. Uh, this is just one more tweet from Donald Trump, and I th- because I think it's perfect, and I forgot to read it. Quote, Ebola has been confirmed in NYC with officials frantically trying to find all of the people and things he had contact with. Obama's fault. A total incompetent. Um, we, we don't need to read more of them. No. Th- there are, I, and I'm not exaggerating, 100 tweets about this. I know um, you're not exaggerating. I know. So it's uh, just a little compare-contrast on how a, a actual... If, like competent administration with a, a, a scientifically literate, considerate president deals with the situation and what the media does in their reaction. And now, thank you for that depressing comparison. Yeah, uh, we gotta take a quick break. For yes, those things that we do for these products that, unlike the Trump administration, will not conflate Ebola and COVID. We're going to If you don't want Ebola, yeah. Yes. All of these products are medically guaranteed by the FDA to cure it. Also, when we get back, we're going to be talking about uh what could happen with the economy. Mm-hmm. And if you are afraid of the economy taking tanking, maybe invest in some products and services. Some products and services mm-hmm. like the ones Keep we sell going. or 
Only those. Only those. An angle grinder, which you can use to cut through barbed wire fences, razor wire locks. Mints. Mints. We're going to be right back, guys. Boots on your car <laughs> that the state has... Okay, yep. Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. And we're back from that break. My coronavirus that I caught at a live show. Um, So I am tasked with talking a little bit about, uh, well, the economic impact and potential economic impact of the coronavirus. And I need to uh, just state that this is not my field of expertise. Uh, so doing my best here. Um, as most of you guys probably know, uh, the stock market took a big nosedive on Monday of this week and everyone started to freak out a little bit or a lot. According to CNBC, the Dow dropped 7.8% or 2,013 points, the biggest percent point drop in, in its history. Starting that quote again. According to the CNBC, the Dow dropped 7.8% or 2,013 points, the biggest point drop in its history. The S&P 500 was also down 7.6% and was 19% lower than its all-time high in February. If the benchmark hits 20%, it would fall in bear market territory for the first time in over a decade. Um, So that was bad. 
Everyone was panicking. Oh, that's not good. It's not mm, good. Okay, good to know. Um, thankfully, the markets recovered a little bit Tuesday morning, allaying some of people's worst fears, but not alleviating the very real concern of a potential recession. Also, this stuff changes. Um, so, okay, the big question on everybody's mind is, are we heading towards a huge global recession? Uh, different pieces that I've read say different things. Some say we are heading towards one. Others say it's just a possibility. They all agree that <laughs> recessions are hard to predict. So, cool. Uh, it really does depend on how this whole thing plays down. Um, but I can say right now is that we are currently far from, in America at least, uh, far from a, a real recession. Um, so I don't want people panicking just yet, even though I myself have felt a lot I of I only heard panic. the word panic. I yeah, what, what panic. you're saying, I think, Katie, is that we're good and things will be good forever. Yeah, perfect. That's yeah. exactly what I need you to take away from this. I No, I mean, it, it would take a while for the effects uh, to really hit our market in a, in a long-term way. This would have to play out for a very long time. Um, and it's still kind of new, so we don't really know what's going to happen. But with that said, it already has and will continue to have an economic impact uh, that is immediately detrimental, at least in the short term, to you know local economies mm -hmm. and citizens in, in different communities, especially people in service industry jobs. And we're going to get into that in a second. But first, I just want to break down a little bit what an epidemic recession is. So an epidemic-caused recession is different than other recessions because the drop in spending isn't caused by a lack of income per se, but by people not going out and buying things. They isolate in fear mm -hmm. of contracting the virus or because of forced quarantines and all of that. Uh, and there are different things that can lead to a recession. One is a supply shock where there is a problem with uh, the production of a product or a service, if you will, uh, like if you have a bad harvest. And then another is demand shock where, there, where the demand for a product Hand sanitizer. or a service no, no, no. <laughs> That's different. That's the worst example you can give for the end of my sentence. You have to let me finish a sentence. No. Another is demand shock, which is where the demand for a product or service declines. Uh, and so here's, I can't a, here's a kind of a long quote but, uh, from Axios, but I think it, it encapsulates things really well. A global pandemic sounds deceptively like a supply side problem. China shut down a bunch of factories to halt the spread of infection, and now there's no hand sanitizer mm -hmm. to be had, and Apple products are back-ordered. But that's not all that's happening. We're looking at what a college econ textbook would call a shock to the demand side of the economy on top of the supply-side disruptions. Kind of both. Um, a demand shock is something like what started when uh, American house prices began to slide downward in 2007 and 2008. Because prices were declining, investors got less interested in building new houses. And because prices were declining, homeowners felt poorer and became less likely to make major purchases. Since the pandemic began, global demand for every kind of raw material from industrial metals to staple crops like wheat and soybeans has dropped. Businesses know that means global spending is going to slow, and so they take measures to prepare, like idling workers and reducing output. Already, the aviation industry, which was initially shifting aircraft from China routes to other opportunities, is just settling for, for flying fewer planes and paying fewer workers. We'll come back to that. So, like I mentioned earlier, even if this doesn't become a full-blown, our worst fear kind of recession, we are already seeing uh, its effects in communities that are heavily hit by the virus. Um, so far, the biggest cases with the most economic impact are, you know, China mm -hmm. and Italy, places like that. China. Chitaly. Chitaly, if mm -hmm. you will. That's what we, how we refer to them both together, because <laughs> we need to so often. 
That sounds PC. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, China has been dealing with the economic effects of this the longest. And up until recently, it has had uh, the majority of the cases to deal with. I guess it still does, but it's, yep. that number is changing. Um, so it's a good look to the, it's good to look at them for perspective. And it isn't great. Virtually all tourism has stopped, not just within the country, but leaving the country. Data uh, shows international flights booked from China are behind by 50, almost 56 percent basically, in comparison with the same period in, in 2019. Chinese car sales have dropped 92% in February. Quarantines have caused massive layoffs. Um, it, it will be hard to stop China from entering a recession. That seems inevitable. Um, and an important thing to note is that if the virus did spread in the States the way it did in China, our economic reality, the fallout would be way more severe. Um so that's fun. That is in, fun. In Italy, <laughs> um, God, then there's Italy. Uh, first this week, they announced that 17 million people would be quarantined. And then they took the absolutely unprecedented step of putting the entire country on lockdown. An entire country is on lockdown. And, and, and Jesus, can you even wrap your mind around what that means economically for them? I mean, because what we have over there is a combination of, of quarantined people not being able to work, plus a dramatic drop. In tourism, it's I mean, a tragic. halt to a tourism. Lot of, a lot of mozzarella not being made, a lot of yeah. spicy meatballs. How are you going to get your spicy meatballs? Chefs up? not being able to do gestures because they spread yeah. the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I'm Ital- even, it's fine. You have to keep reusing the same yeah. grease for your baths it's, over it, and over. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't absolutely. even like joking about it because it's so horrific. Know. Um, you know, you see these reports over there and it's really shocking. I mean, all the tourist yeah. sites are closed. It really is catastrophic for the economy. Um, I, I heard a post recently, or I read a post recently from an Italian up in northern Italy, um, kind of where the epidemic's been worst, and they made a comment along the lines of, like, when this first started spreading, like, a lot of people were talking about it was just like a normal flu. Yeah. And so we didn't change anything, and we kept going out, and, like, now a bunch of our parents and grandparents are all dying. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Um, uh, we, you know, we didn't... Uh, spicy meat bowl yeah, joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pesto. It, it's, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is a quote from the Washington Post. In Italy, the economic slowdown will be profound. The damage will be measured not just with supply chain interruptions and lost tourism, but with business closures, spiking unemployment, defaulted loans, and the likelihood of major government bailout, bailouts. Even before the virus's arrival, Italy was poised for a recession, and its economy had scarcely grown in 20 years. And people shouldn't panic. We don't want people to panic. That's the opposite of what should be happening right now to to stop a recession from happening. But it's indisputable that when major markets are hit, uh, it affects – you feel the ripples worldwide. You feel the ripples worldwide, and even if you are in a place where your president is not a gross clown monster, the government response is more likely than not to be incompetent and slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a general rule, when a disaster hits – and this is something that there's actually quite a lot of scholarship on because it doesn't just apply to epidemics. It applies to, applies to hurricanes. It applies to tornadoes. It applies to earthquakes. As a general rule worldwide – the state response to your problem will be slow, inefficient, and insufficient. And you will be on your own for taking care of yourself and the people around you. And that is a reality most of us will have to deal with. We're seeing, we didn't mention this earlier, there's just so many things to touch on news stories with this. Sacramento today, like, so New York is quarantining the different communities that um, have a large number of outbreaks, they're saying. Mm -hmm. Sacramento has just thrown up their hands and they're saying self-quarantine if you have symptoms. And well, that's the most that they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and like you, stories about nurses getting infected and not being given. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that letter floating around mm-hmm. Twitter. 
not having not being allowed to give a test because there aren't tests available. And uh, anyway, I mean, it does fit with Sacramento's motto as the city <laughs> yeah. of eh. 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 that's our capital. Anyway, back to the economic stuff. Um, so we're not at that point. Here in the United States, like Italy and China, give us a week. Uh, but we are beginning to see its effects. And before I get into um, what's happening in different cities, I want to stress that one of the industries that we are seeing be- being hit really hard is actually Chinese restaurants. Uh, if you oh, want, such a I know, bummer. if oh you guys want to combat the racist effects of this epidemic, which I hope I don't have to spell out to you how that's happening, yeah. please take yourself out to dinner at a Chinese restaurant if you're not sick. Or, or order it, yeah. whatever you want. Don't avoid your city's downtown Chinatown district. Uh, I, here's a quote. Uh, <laughs> the traditional archway from, from LA Times, and this is in LA, a, you know, a very progressive, uh, open-minded city. The traditional archway that welcomes all to Chinatown, Central Plaza, and North Broadway, and downtown Los Angeles greeted few visitors last week. The usually vibrant hub for Chinese culture, food, and souvenirs uh, more closely resembled a ghost town. That's a It's a really sobering really thing. Really bummer. That really I not cool. was not happy to come across preparing for this. No. Um, but it's not surprising. You should avoid perhaps visiting an old folks home. Sure, um, yeah. If you are a younger person in contact with people who travel, you should not avoid Chinatown. I, do you guys think that it's just genetic? I don't think you guys do. Um, I, I mean, I guess I think they're probably actually assuming that it's like people th- that Chinatown is filled with Chinese people who visit China regularly. And yeah, that's my guess as to the etymology. Actually, of that the opposite thinking. is probably true. Uh, yeah, people a lot of are them here trying to, yeah. you know, make a life here. Yeah, I had seen uh, every once in a while Tucker Carlson will say something where you're like, "Oh, that's correct," um, and it's insidious. And he, because he speaks to the president, he did a segment last night about this and about the coronavirus and how it's actually a serious thing that should be taken seriously, and uh, the president needs to do something about mm-hmm. it. Um, during that segment. He referred to it uh, out loud and in a graphic on screen the whole time as the, the Chinese coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they call it um, or the Wuhan virus. Yes, yeah. and that's catching on. I'm waiting for the president to say it because he's going. He's to. going to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just I, it's yeah. just something that uh, is gonna it's gonna get worse. And I hope that everybody recognizes yeah. it and resists it. All right. Back to uh, some of the effects, other effects here in, in the States. Uh, Seattle. Seattle is currently experiencing one of the largest outbreaks in the United States. Uh, officials have been telling people to stay in. Uh, a friend of um, Summer News, uh, our, our friend Margaret, who has done some research for us, uh, lives in Seattle and, and was texting me about, texting with me about this the other day. And, and um, she's self-quarantined. And the whole city is apparently, you know, also like Chinatown's a ghost town. You know, government encouraging people to stay home. And for some people, you know, Seattle, there's a lot of tech industry stuff. For some people, that's fine. They can work from home. But Seattle is also known for its coffee shops. It's a service industry. And like I was uh, mentioning earlier, you know, this is the majority of people um, have have jobs where you have to show up in person. So what's happening to them? These are also the people that are least likely to have savings to fall back on. Um, in fact, about a quarter of Americans have no paid sick days. And that's actually something that we could do and need to do to help offset the um, economic impact of any pandemic. But this one, uh, and it's mandatory sick days. And that is something that the government could could um, enact now to help 
after this, but honestly, they needed to have already done it. I feel like you're acting like it's the government's job to protect uh, human health and welfare. I am. I am saying that. Well. Um, also throwing this out here, out there, schools are being canceled. People aren't allowed to go to school. So what, how are our working parents figuring out mm-hmm. child care? Uh, there's a lot of huge things that you don't think about immediately that are vitally important to people's may- way of life. It, it's like if your whole culture is based around maximizing profit at profit at like yeah yeah and and if if that's like the only thing that matters and the people in power that's the only thing that matters to them um they will eventually wind up making decisions that actually catastrophically compromise their ability to to make profits because they're incredibly short-sighted the thing about sick leave is that that sounds expensive but it's not as bad as a plague as a plague (laughs) and also it's just human decency then we look at places like austin texas Mm-hmm. You guys have have seen the oh, news. So fucked. South by Southwest has been canceled this year. Yep. Um, and you're like, oh dang, that sucks. I mean, that really sucks for South by Southwest. That is potentially bankrupting mm-hmm. uh, the whole organization. So there's that. But then it's Austin kind of, yeah. depends on this this revenue. You know, people that have been preparing that. So many stories of people are like, I don't know how I'm going to make rent. People, people plan their entire year budget yes. huge numbers right. of the pe- of people who live in the city of Austin like yeah. this helps them get through the year also surprisingly the entertainment industry is also one of the most affected markets um yep. you know they already are feeling the impact because movie the movie industry is worldwide china is a huge market and you know you're seeing lots of movie theater closures around the world and a general decline in attendance plus cancellations of film festivals like this and all the money that investments that have gone mm-hmm. into that um, people banking on 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 movies being sold at South by. Uh, oddly enough, uh, through all of this reading, canceling sports events, while you might want to do that because it helps slows the spread of the disease or the virus, I'm sorry, uh, but it detracts from people's employment opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes economic stimulus really difficult, and it feeds into the idea that the economy is failing, which ends up becoming a self-fulfilling prophes- prophecy. It's so fun. But you know what? Fucked. People listen to a lot of podcasts when they're quarantined Yep, it's at true. Home. Well, that's the other thing. feel that's, like we're going to be all right. That, that is too. You know what? We're good. We're all fine. Right. Don't worry about it. No, it's, but It's um, fine now. This is actually an important point because streaming revenues are up. <laughs> so. Oh, Hell go. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there um, are there are more industries uh. taking big hits, one of which being the travel industries, particularly cruise ships and aviation. And like the people who work at restaurants and stuff that get a lot of tourist business. Exactly. Exactly. Hotel Um, employees. Airlines are are rightly freaking out. Um, According to Axios and other sources, airline executives are warning that the slowdown in global travel demand that they're experiencing could be worse than 9-11. And airlines all over the world are canceling flights because no one wants to travel. They're also reimbursing everybody's Flights that they, especially to Italy. My boyfriend was supposed to go to Italy this week. Yeah, not a great time. Um, also, because fewer people are traveling, like you were saying, fewer people in airports, fewer people paying $10 for a bottle of water, and uh, fewer people buying expensive water means reduced hours uh, and, and wages for people who work in airport retail. This and is, you, you've also got some strikes going on with, t- or some yeah. budding strikes with TSA workers yeah. who are like, wait a second, no one's taking any enhanced per- Cautions yeah. for us. I mean, it's wild. Uh, this is from NPR. Yeah. The Global Business Travel Association estimates that if coronavirus-related travel restrictions continue, whether the travel cutbacks are self-imposed or ordered by governments, spending on travel around the world could drop by more than 37 percent, 
costing Jesus. the industry a whopping $46.6 billion a month Holy and nearly $560 billion in a year. The last time we saw anything like this was 9-11, says Scott Salambrino, the organization's ex- executive director. But that was a complete shutdown of travel. Thank God we're nowhere near that. I Not mean, yet anyway. Here's the end of the quote. If coronavirus fears continue to lead corporations to pull sales staff, consultants, and other employees off the road, and if leisure travelers cancel weekend getaways and destination vac- vacations, the economic cost could be staggering. Cool. That's a lot. Um, Good time to book a plane flight to a warm part of the world, though. Well, I mean, you know, yeah. you're looking at the, <laughs> cheaper plane tickets. If you want to see Tripoli. This is the time to visit Libya. This is the time to do it. Um, So what about that stock market crash that uh, we talked about at the beginning of this section? Uh, Why shouldn't we panic about that? So it's reasonable to be concerned about the stock market crash. I mean, we've got horrific stories of stock market crashes and what's that done to the global economy in the past. Um, And it, it is reasonable to be concerned. But also it's the stock market. It doesn't directly affect the average American immediately, unless you have a ton of investments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, John, it's fake. It's all fake. John Schwartz argues um, in this article that he wrote for The Intercept, um, the richest 10% of U.S. households account for over 80% of American stock ownership. The richest 1% by themselves own half of that, or 40% of stock. Half of Americans don't own stock at all. Uh, he also argues that the obsession with the phantom wealth of the stock market mm-hmm. uh, distracts and prevents us from focusing, fixing problems that actually need to be fixed mm-hmm. and, and saving us. Actually, um, the better off the stock market does, the worse off uh, the lower classes do. So, yep. you know, there's that. Yes, because, because the profits of stockholders are wealth that has right. been extracted from the working class and then handed to the people who already are rich. Exactly. Yeah. And and our obsession with the stock market, watching the stock market, its rises and its dips, makes it like a game and mm-hmm. it kind of misrepresents its importance on our everyday lives. Um, and again, just like I was saying before, self-fulfilling prophecy, it, it, it becomes its own mm-hmm. self-fulfilling prophecy. So kind of the best advice is to take a step back from watching what's happening there, um, taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. trying to support businesses your local economy you know what i mean because it might happen actually it is the uh, oecd the organization for economic cooperation and development um is predicting that economic growth will slow in 2020 we know that i mean the best advice i can give people is put all of your money into lyco stock really <laughs> invest as much in lyco i think they're gonna i think they're gonna blow up Yahoo too. I was going to Alta Vista. Yahoo. You're thinking Lycos? No, throw it all. Throw throw a bunch in Alta Vista too. Netscape. Yeah. Okay. You can get yeah, money yeah, in yeah. the Netscape right Smart. now. Get some geos. I don't know. Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. Bitcoin. Throw a bunch into Bitcoin. Um, get it all up in there. All yeah. the stable investments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One last Blockbuster. thing on um, this uh, prediction: the probability that economic growth will slow in 2020. This is from uh, the BBC. The world's economy could grow at its slowest rate since 2009 this year due to the coronavirus outbreak. Um, The think tank has forecast growth of just 2.4% in 2020, down from 2.9% in November. It also said that a longer lasting and more intensive outbreak could have growth to 1.5% in 2020 as factories suspend their activities and workers stay at home to try to contain the virus. Um, And... I mean, it, it's it's hard. It's tough. So everything I've said is true. Yep. It's just try to be measured about it. We'll know that it's really a problem 
when it starts affecting things that are unrelated, different industries, yeah. you know, it's it's not just that these resources are drying up. It's like these other things are as well. Um, and we're not there yet. And it would take this being drawn out for a long time for us to get there. There's a lot of stuff you guys have probably heard floated around about how the virus will probably go away in the warmer months. And we warmer, don't yeah. we don't know that that's definitively true, but you can look at other viruses like this and the flu yeah. and you see that that's true. And, and why that is is because in part of why that is, there's a couple of reasons. The, the kind of like physics reason that is is that when you like sneeze and other things that like kind of expel mm -hmm. germs from your body in warmer weather because of the increased like humidity, I think, in the air, um, it doesn't go as far. Right. Um, and then there's obviously like, people's behavior is different. People spend less time like cramped inside yes. with other people in warm weather. Yeah. Um, and they're sweatier, so they have to shower more often, mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. But uh, the the other reality is, if even if that happens, it will return as soon as the weather gets colder. Um, and if you look at it... <laughs> thank God nothing's happening in November. Good, Thank God. <laughs> I mean, it, I hate this narrative. There's this narrative that the Democrats want this to happen or it's planted to make Trump look bad. No, man, he's doing that by himself. But the reality is, is that it's going to go... <laughs> the potential reality, I'm not a... I'm not a psychic, is that it will ebb in the summer mm -hmm. and Trump will claim victory that this, they contain he did this, it. Yeah, he, did he did it. it. And then it'll come back stronger than ever in the fall right before the election. At least what I really think about this, we don't have to put you on the line for this, but I do think in terms of like, what is the impact that this has? I'm not hoping that the coronavirus will be bad because it will make Donald Trump um, uh, uh, look bad and will reduce his chances for reelection. What I am hoping, authoritarianism, which we have been dabbling in as a country for the last three years and change in a way that we have not previously in my lifetime. Um, we, you know, we, we dipped our toes in the water with W. Bush, um, but we are really, we are wading into the deep end now. Yeah. And authoritarianism can seem like it's working okay for the people who aren't being targeted by the government when things are generally good. When it starts to collapse for everybody is when real problems happen because yeah. authoritarianism leads to everything we talked about in my pro toadying. It leads to incompetence. It leads to like fear of bringing bad news to the boss, all of these things. And Trump has had been president at, at what is like all of his problems prior to this are problems he created. Like the shit happening in Syria right now. That's because Trump made a change to the situation yeah. that made it worse. All of the problems of like the, his impeachment. That's like him doing stupid shit. Other than that, outside of problems that he initiated and made worse, this has been a reasonably calm time to be yeah. president. Um, historically, this is the first thing that's really happened during his administration that like wasn't his fault right. and would have been a problem no matter who was president. This would have right. been some shit to deal with if Hillary Clinton had been president. Bernie Sanders, this would have been a problem. Yeah. Um, what I do hope America gets, rather than callously being like, I hope the coronavirus you know makes it, it hurts his numbers. I hope that this is a wake-up call to chunks of America who haven't been paying attention or who have just focused on the stock market and who realize, like, oh, my God, letting somebody like this make these calls is, the, is, is morally identical to drunk driving. <laughs> it is doing something with a huge chance of harming other people in the hopes that, like, usually it's okay. Yeah. Usually it's usually just like letting this asshole rant is fine because the economy is still good. I'm not feeling the consequences right. of his actions when he comes home drunk and whatever. Um, it's not fine for the average American right now. This is scaring the shit out of, of people who are able to ignore what's happening in Syria, who are able to ignore what's happening on the border. And maybe that I think that wake up call is a good thing. And maybe yeah. they'll make the same call they made in 2016. And if so, 
at least we can all rest knowing like, well, they fucking made the call. They weren't, yeah. there was no hiding right. it anymore. Yeah. And so, I, I yeah. guess if we're looking at a silver lining, I'm glad that um, this isn't a more deadly virus that's yeah. making its way. I mean, it, it is deadly and it's threatening our vulnerable populations and it's horrific. And I'm glad. It's uh, kind of cool that it doesn't hit kids though. Yeah. 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 Um, the other, <laughs> it's hard to say that, oh, there's um, a benefit to an economic recession because there, there oh, we could have called it but the reverse Epstein. The reverse Epstein. Mm. Uh, it, but, you know, you, you see some things being pointed out, like in China, since there's so much, uh, people aren't going out, they're not driving their cars, there's less production. Their pollution is going down. Yeah. <laughs> what a bummer. Like, and so there's like, like they're weird, like, in the like, long term, maybe some lives will be saved because people aren't getting poisoned by their climate. Um, you know, cruise ships aren't doing great. Well, cruise ships suck for the environment. And they're bad for people, too. They're bad for people. Yeah, they're bad for people. But, you know, it's like, it's hard because you're also like, well, there's job losses. What about all those yes. people employed? That sucks. Their employers suck, too. Um and maybe, but there are other yeah. jobs they can get. Yes, and and maybe yeah, it's an industry that shouldn't exist. I missed a great opportunity earlier to make an Epstein Bar virus joke. Oh yeah, because obviously, uh, it's I'm okay. Sorry. You plugged it in. I now. know. I tried. Yeah. I it would have been good. It was good. It was still good. It's still Thank good. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And that's what I have to say about mm-hmm. the economy stuff. This is again my. I didn't take economics. I don't. No, I think we've outlined. What it's doing, what the harms are, why it's worse because of the idiots in charge, and what it's going to have impact it's going to have on the election. And if anyone else wants more from us, they should have listened to the doctor podcast with doctors. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. can recommend you listen to a mm-hmm. doctor podcast with doctors. Yes, that is a good idea. But they're not going to have as many. Uh, the House of Pod has an episode. Strange on the asides and jokes. No, no, and they wouldn't have. Well, they probably would have made an Epstein Bar virus joke that beats mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Medical because it doesn't affect little kids. Yeah. We all got it, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah. So. All right, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of the worst year ever. It's gonna keep getting worse. By but then games. it'll get better. We should Before do a prepping it comes episode back in the next. fall. Mm. A pregnant episode. A prepping episode. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that makes more sense than pregnant. Yeah, that wouldn't wouldn't be as as big a hit. Uh, you guys can find us online. You sure can. At Worst Year Pod, on Instagram and Twitter. We've got a T Public store. You can buy things. Buy things. Fuel the economy if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Our shirts protect you from the coronavirus. Yep, that is. Uh, legally binding yeah, wash, thing, wash Robert. your hands dry them on our shirts there you go um, <laughs> unless we've gotten the crowd well we still oh. can do it we'll just be recording from our homes yeah, exactly everything's so dumb everything's so dumb and it's gonna get dumber great I tried yes Daniel lovely Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. 
Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 